On this episode of On The Record, we invited the professor and many students to discuss climate change on campus and global and in our community. So the first question we um, prepared is, of course, what is climate change? Professor Blue. Well, thank you for having me uh, as part of your podcast today. Um, and so the first thing is, what is climate? And you're familiar with things that we call weather. Is it raining? Is it sunny? What's the temperature? And it turns out that climate is those same things, but climate is about what is happening with those conditions over long periods of time and averaged over large areas. So the question of whether or not it's raining outside is a weather question. The question of in an average year, how much rainfall does the Chicago area get? That's a climate question. And so what we're concerned with with climate change is that these long-term averages are shifting. And it may not seem important that, well, you know, sometimes it rains, sometimes it doesn't, but weather affects whether you take an umbrella with you. So if it's raining, you're gonna take an umbrella. On the other hand, if you're deciding what crop to grow, you need to know on average how much rainfall you're going to get in a given year. And if you get lots of rainfall, maybe growing rice is a good idea. If you're not gonna get lots of rainfall, maybe wheat is a better choice. But what the, the point is that we depend on our knowledge of the climate, on what these average behaviors are going to be, crucially to make all kinds of decisions that have an enormous impact on the way that we live our lives, about the way that our societies and civilization works. So, and when you start changing climate, when climate starts shifting, that has big effects. And it can, you know, things again, ranging from the kinds of foods you eat to where you choose to live, to how you choose to earn a living, um, even, and in more extreme cases, whether or not you can even live in a certain place because shifts in climate in local climate or in regional climate historically have triggered the collapses of entire civilizations. There are no Mayans anymore, right? There is no Maya civilization. The, the Khmer civilization, um, several civilizations in the Fertile Crescent in the Levant, are gone and they're gone because the climate shifted and the way that they were living their lives didn't work anymore. And so we care about climate and we care about climate change because now we live in this world that is incredibly interconnected and where what happens everywhere affects everyone else everywhere. And so when climate shifts and Climate does so naturally, but when climate changes abruptly and when it's doing so because of things that we're doing, we have to pay attention to it because it impacts everything we do. It impacts everyone and not just all of humanity, but also everybody else who's along for the ride on this beautiful blue planet. Yeah, and thank you so much, Professor Bloom, for telling us about the difference between weather and climate. Um, on that note, we would like to know a little bit more about if there are different terms or multiple terms used for climate change. And if so, what are they? What's the difference between them? Sure. So when people first started talking about the subject, 
uh, often the phrase you heard was global warming. And the reason that that phrase was used is because when you first start looking at, well, what happens when we add greenhouse gases to the atmosphere, the first thing that you notice is that, oh, well, the planet on the whole, the average global temperature is going to start to increase. And so when people start, first started studying this, this issue in detail back in the 1970s and the 1980s, the, the first thing you notice is, oh, we're going to end up with a warmer world. But as you get into the more details, you realize, oh, it isn't just that the world warms up. And in fact, it does warm up in, more, in most places. In some places, it actually cools off a little bit. But in most places, there is warming. But really what you have are shifts in patterns, shifts in, in precipitation patterns, shifts in literally what places are wet become dry, right? What, you know, where uh, local climates change. And it becomes a much more complicated issue, much more than just it gets warmer. And so to reflect that, the terminology change to climate change, um, reflecting the fact that as the world warms, there are all these associated pieces of what we call climate that are going to change and that already observed to be changing. Now today, again, that's still the most common phrase that's used. But within the discipline, people talk more now about climate disruption, because it's not just that it, the climate is changing, but that the patterns that we depend on, the, the, the seasonal variations, all the things that we call climate are not simply changing, because changing could be for the better. And it's not. It's a disruption. It's a change that makes things worse. And so whether that means that I can't grow the crops that I'm used to, or I can't live, you know, the, the life that I'm used to living, or if I'm an animal, the, the, the environment that I'm used to living in doesn't exist where I am anymore. And so maybe I have to migrate, or if I'm a plant, uh, that's harder. Um, but the point is that everything gets disrupted. Ecosystems get disrupted. Civilizations get disrupted. And so, and maybe as we learn more, the name will change again. I mean, names are, are things that we apply to, to sort of cover big ideas. And so as we learn more, we get better at naming things. And so the names change, but it all means the same thing. Ultimately, it boils down to the phenomenon of humanity through various industrial activities and various ways that we manage land has change the balance of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, and that is modifying the, <clears throat> the planet's climate system on a global scale and leading to a whole host of negative impacts. And that is, that's ultimately what we're talking about, no matter what we decide to call it. Yes, thank you so much for those um, details, Professor Bloom. We wanted to ask, often when, we, when people are talking about this topic, they often talk about pollution. And some things that I, we see as a trend is that people don't use plastic water bottles anymore. And we wanted to ask, what are some of the effects that, that are caused by humans? So when we talk about climate change, we, it, look, pollution is a serious issue. But it's important to distinguish between pollution, which is ultimately something that you can clean up, which is local, 
I mean, and, you know, no one is arguing that, you know, giant plastic patches in the middle of the Pacific or oil spills or, you know, there are all kinds of horrific forms of pollution. But pollution is something that you can easily stop doing. It's something that you can clean up afterwards. It tends to be local. What we have been doing as a civilization for the last, really in earnest for the last 150 years, is pumping things like primarily carbon dioxide, but also methane and other materials, which are greenhouse gases. And that means that they trap heat and that they lead to a chain to, to global warming and all the other things that go with it. And because there's no border to that, you know, if I, if I, if there, if oil spills in Alaska, that is terrible for Alaska. If I dump carbon dioxide into the atmosphere in South America, it affects the entire planet that mixes through the atmosphere and it is a global impact. And so it's important when we, when we talk about climate change to distinguish between the idea of pollution, which again is a real problem, is something that we need to, to, to stop doing because the environment can only support, so, can only absorb so much of our junk. But carbon, so things like carbon dioxide, methane, other greenhouse gases are a much more serious problem because they know no borders. And once you let them loose into the atmosphere, it's everywhere. And, and then the cleanup, well, how do you clean it up? I mean, that's, that's, and that's the other problem is that there is no easy way to undo the damage that we are doing. It's possible, but exceptionally difficult. So when we're talking about climate change, we are talking about something that is on a grander scope than pollution is. Now, as far as the effects caused by humans, the science is clear that the changes that we are seeing in the Earth's climate system are due to the activities of human beings, primarily, again, the greenhouse gases that we have emitted to the atmosphere, but there are other ways that we have altered the carbon cycle by converting forests to grasslands or to farmland. Um, we are changing the way that carbon circulates through the biosphere, through the atmosphere, through the oceans, and anything that we do that increases the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is ultimately going to lead to a warming of the planet. And again, the scientific case is clear. Human fingerprints are all over this. What is happening right now is almost entirely due to human activities. There are other pieces. Um, and in fact, most of the other things that are going on, the so-called natural effects, are actually things that ought to be cooling the planet off right now very slowly. So the fact that we're noticing rapid warming tells you that the vast majority of what's going on is due to human activity. And again, it's a very long list. You want to know all the details, take ENVI 105 and got to get the advertisement in there. But that's one of the things we teach is to make clear the, sci the scientific case for how we know that climate change is happening, that it is caused by humanity, and specifically, it is caused by our emission of, of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere and the other ways in which we have disrupted the carbon cycle. Thank you so much for teaching us about that. We were also really curious to know more about the main threats uh, that 
global warming or sorry, climate change uh, poses on humans or just the planet in general? And again, global warming, climate change, it, it means the same thing. Um, so obviously in the name, global warming means it gets warmer. Now, what does that mean? Again, we're talking about mean global temperatures. So we're not saying, okay, it's just hotter. And besides, how much are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, a couple of degrees Fahrenheit, or if you're more familiar with the metric system, you know, a one degree Celsius increase, maybe by the end of this century, it's two or two and a half since the beginning of the industrial revolution. You might not even notice that temperature change if you were sitting in a room. So why are we concerned if that's the average temperature change of the whole planet? And that's because, again, it's the average over the whole planet. And that turns out to be make it really uh, a meaningful difference. Now, practically, what it means is that there are more temperature extremes, that, that you get more and hotter days. So there are places in the world where it's already borderline for how, you know, is this even livable in the summer? But if it gets hotter and if it gets more humid, you reach the point where people can cope with it. Um, so temperature, right? We know that the temp there are limits to the temperatures that humans can survive and thrive in. Changes to the climate system affect our food in terms of what we can produce through agriculture, um, through um, fishing and other natural resources. Um, so it affects our production of food. Climate change is a threat to our infrastructure. You know, for example, in Naperville, okay, we're not worried about sea level rise here, but it turns out that one of the things you get with a warmer world are more significant rainfall events. A warmer atmosphere means that the water cycle gets supercharged and you get more evaporation from the oceans. The atmosphere, the air can literally hold more moisture. And then when it does rain, you get much more rain. So you get these enormous rainfall events and that leads to flooding if you don't have the right storm drain system. And it turns out that in this area, the storm drains were meant to handle what was once thought to be you know, a hundred year flood. But now with climate change, 100-year floods happen all the time. And so it turns out that our infrastructure is incapable of handling it. Um, things, that I'm, things that I'm seeing just in the, in the 15 to 20 years that I've been in this area, and I've been here a little bit longer than I've been teaching at North Central. But for example, um, temperature swings, right? You all, it's, it's Chicago. So even when it's really cold, it can heat up. And sometimes, in, especially in the in the summer, you can go from having a cool morning and it can then suddenly be really hot in the afternoon. And we've seen more instances of that so that rail lines buckle, roads undergo thermal expansion and literally concrete pops up out of the roadway and you get instant potholes. So um, our power systems can fail. Um, all the infrastructure that we depend on to, to live, our transportation, uh, energy, um, water systems, right? All of them are at risk because of changes just in, in temperature and precipitation. Now, of course, if you happen to live near the ocean, now you got to worry about sea level rise because as the planet warms, two things happen. One is that as the water itself warms up, it expands. Things get larger as they heat up. And that's, that's called thermal expansion. And so 
the water in the oceans is literally as it warms will take up more space sea level will rise the other thing that happens is that the ice that is in locked up in the ice sheets in the arctic and the antarctic is melting and it's melting at a rate we've never seen before um and that is literally contributing more water to the oceans and all of this is contributing to not just sea level rise but an accelerating rate of sea level rise now we talk about you know how much is it well right now we're talking you know not much more than the thickness of a dime every year but that's every single year and it's going faster and faster and that doesn't take into account what happens if something you know when something catastrophic happens and you know in the news you see pieces of the greenland ice sheet are destabilizing or the west antarctic ice sheet if these things go and go suddenly you could talk about a meter of sea rise sea level rise in in a matter of months and that's an enormous change um so if you live near the ocean sea level rise is a big deal and who, oh, who lives near the ocean uh, a lot of people literally a couple billion people live within just a couple of meters of sea level so and those people that sea level rise puts in puts into peril where they live how they work how they get their food their water supplies so climate change affects almost every aspect of human existence and we still haven't talked about what happens to you know to to ecological systems what happens to uh the plants and the animals who you know frankly have a are not at, in some ways not as adaptive as we are um if you're a plant you can't get up and move somewhere else um now nature evolves and nature will evolve to to cope with this but at what cost to biodiversity so there are a lot of things that are going on here and one of the 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 hardest parts of this problem and the part that really sort of sticks with most people is that if you live someplace wealthy like the United States then you say okay well um my water supply dried up we'll just build a pipeline from somewhere where there is water or sea level rose and parts of Miami flood we're just going to build pumps and we're going to build seawalls um it turns out that you can adapt to climate change and that's one of the three ways that people respond people can respond to climate change the first way is adapt something changes you need to be able to cope with it and it turns out that your ability to adapt purely depends on how wealthy you are so if you live in the united states if you live in western europe good for you but all the people who live you know in in parts of the world where that are not as affluent you can't cope with any change you're barely hanging on as it is if things get harder for you that push that pushes you over the edge you know you talk about a meter of sea level rise okay bad news if you if you own a condo at the beach in in Miami but hopefully you have insurance and maybe don't live there now but what if you live in Bangladesh and you're there's 100 million people within a, a meet, you know, within a meter of of sea level what are they supposed to do right and so climate change can trigger mass migration it can trigger wars um we've already seen these things i mean if you look in places like south sudan and syria those conflicts were ultimately triggered by climate change by collapse of agriculture systems due to lack of water and so these are happening and they're only going to get worse so 
there, there just, there isn't anything that isn't connected by climate because it's, it's integrated into everything that we do. So um, it's a, it's a tough one because, you know, when you ask, well, what are the, you know, what are the main threats? What are the main effects? Well, um, okay. Everything. Now that may sound like, okay, well, what do I do about that? But the point is to recognize that there's the problem and that nobody is truly safe from it. Everybody is impacted by climate change. The question is to what extent and how, you know, how are you able to adapt to it? Um, how is it affecting animals? Sure. So again, as the world warms, uh, as rainfall patterns change, um, climate uh, ecosystems shift. It's not, some, some will disappear, right? So you can imagine, you know, a, a place that's a wetland become, you know, drying up if rainfall patterns change. You can imagine some place that's a forest maybe becoming a swamp. What about tundra? Tundra could become boreal forest, right? As all these different types of ecosystems move and shift, the things that live in them, right? Because these ecosystems are defined by the, by the climatic conditions in where they were sort of, they, they prefer to happen. Um, so you shift those conditions and they, now the things that live there have to move around. Does this happen? Sure. And if you're an animal and you like to live in somewhat colder weather, at least then if you live in the Northern hemisphere, you live further North. Okay. Um, maybe that makes things harder for some animals. Uh, some animals really like climate change, specifically um, mosquitoes. So it, West Nile virus didn't used to be a thing in Illinois, and now it is because the mosquito that carries it, well, Illinois stays warm enough now that even in the winter, they can survive. And as a result, we now have the mosquito that carries West Nile, and now it's a disease that you can get. So great for that mosquito, not so good for us. Um, but on the whole, most living things suffer because of climate change. And again, what do you mean by suffer? You can have populations that become less healthy and populations that decrease. You can have species that go, ex that go become functionally extinct. Um, again, you know, animals can get up and move, right? Birds can fly off, you know, things that are mobile can, well, they can move. Um, if you're talking about plants, they can shift their ranges also, but it's much slower, right? That imagine a tree that prefers colder weather. Um, so, okay, so as the world warms up, their range shifts a little further north, and that means really the southern edge of their range dies off, but they do better in the northern edge. But that's slow, right? Because it, it takes generational time for these plants. Um, if the climate changes too quickly, then that doesn't go well. So, Again, everything is affected and not just terrestrial plants and animals, things that are living in the oceans. One of the major impacts of climate change is the acidification of the oceans because as we put more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, some of that gets absorbed into the oceans. And that is a good thing. It is actually keeping the amount of warming down because a lot of the carbon that we put into the atmosphere ends up in the ocean instead of heating the planet even more. But as the oceans 
absorb carbon dioxide, there's a chemical reaction which turns that carbon dioxide into something called carbonic acid. Now, it's not that the oceans are acidifying and you're going to stick your big toe in and it's going to dissolve, right? That We're not talking like that kind of acidification. But it turns out that most of the, especially the microscopic critters um, that live in the ocean, the things that are at the base of the food chain or of the food web are very sensitive. Their chemistry is very sensitive to the exact pH of the ocean. And if you tweak that even by a little bit, then everything suffers. And we're seeing that whether it's coral reef die-offs, um, various plants that live in the ocean, all kinds of things are being affected by the fact that the oceans are warming and that they are acidifying. And so every part, you know, every niche that life occupies on earth is being affected by climate change because it, it, everything depends on climate. Okay, and then Dr. Bloom, we wanted to ask you for um, our last question we have for you is, you know, right now, especially in politics, we're seeing a lot of different people with a lot of different views on climate change. And we wanted to ask why that is or some reasons as to why some people believe it or some people might not. As a scientist, this is a really hard question for me to answer because I come, my training is to, to look at the facts, to trust the experts, to look at the, the methodologies that they employ, and to draw my conclusions based on that. And if you draw your conclusions based on that kind of thinking, there's only one conclusion you can come to, and that is that climate change is happening, it's caused by humans, it's dangerous, and we need to deal with it. The problem is that not everybody works that way. And there are people, there are some people who, you know, who are simply don't understand how science works. There are people who, who have strong identities based in, in, their, in their community, in their faith, in their politics. And this has become an issue that has been used to polarize communities that, look, there is a reality here that if you are making a great deal of money from selling fossil fuels, then climate change is bad for your business model. And it's going to prevent you from making money the way you used to make money. And the way that our political system works is that if you have money, you can buy influence, right? You can contribute to political campaigns. And because of that, fossil fuel interests have followed in the footsteps of uh, the tobacco companies, for example. The tobacco companies were the first to pull this off back in the 1950s when the science came in and it was clear that there was an absolute link between smoking and all kinds of increased cancer risk. And the right thing to have done at that point from the scientific point of view would say, hey, we should not be doing this. You should not be smoking because it is upping the chances of you getting a really nasty illness and dying. But again, that runs right into somebody's profit motive. And so what happened? Uh, the tobacco companies figured out that you could hire fringe scientists who were willing to make counter arguments and not necessarily to, you know, not to disprove the science, but to create doubt to, and especially in, in communities where people don't have the kind of scientific expertise who maybe um, in, in minority communities where 
you know, medical science has often done some really questionable things. And there are minority communities in this country that have literally been abused at the hands of scientists. Um, so there are people with real cause to mistrust science. And you combine all these effects and they found a very, um, for them, practical way of spending a little money and sowing doubt. And so eventually we outlawed this, the advertising of cigarettes uh, on TV uh, or on Saturday morning during Saturday morning cartoons. Um, we made it illegal to sell cigarettes to anybody under the age of 18 or 21 or whatever it is and put nasty warnings about you know, the, the effects of smoking onto the cigarette packages. All of those things took decades after the science was in. And that story repeated with um, the use of, of a chemical called DDT uh, that was poisoning the environment. And eventually we stopped using it, but it took a long time. Um, acid rain, the idea that emission, that sulfur emissions from coal plants, especially in the Midwest and in places in Europe, were putting uh, sulfur into the air that was ultimately falling to the earth um, in the form of rainwater that was much more acidic than normal. And it was killing forests and killing everything in lakes. And again, the science figured it out. The industry then said, oh, hold on, how do we know that? And got into the political process and slowed things down. But eventually we figured out, oh, they, 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 we, we dealt with the problem. Acid rain isn't a thing anymore in the United States. We have solved that problem. Same thing happened with um, the ozone layer, right? We figured out that uh, we, the scientific community figured out that ozone in the, in the upper atmosphere was being broken down by certain complex chemicals that were in aerosol sprays. And once that got figured out, well, again, corporate reaction to it was, well, do we really know? And, and trying to, to sort of put the brakes on it. But in that case, there was the word got out and there was such an uproar from the general public. You have to stop this because people were freaked out that they would get skin cancer or they would get cataracts because of a, of holes in the ozone layer. And well, guess what? We stopped using those chemicals and industry developed alternatives and the ozone hole is healing itself. So the point is that there are things that we, when this kind of thing happens, when there's when you find out that something that you're doing that everybody's doing and people are making a lot of money off of, but you find out, oh, it's doing something really bad, it's hard to just put on the brakes because there are people making money off of it. But eventually, if enough people say, we don't want this, this is, a, this is causing a problem, and there are, are alternatives, then you can put it to a stop. But for this particular case, for climate change, it has been so heavily politicized. It has become part of the of the of the tri the political tribalism that is literally tearing this country apart right now. That now you can't even say anything about climate change. Oh, you must be talking about crazy liberal, you know, commies. And, and of course, if you have anything positive to say about the fossil fuel industry at all, then you're equally crazy on the other side. So meanwhile, there is a real problem and we have to solve it. So, you know, it's, 
it's a it's a problem that is compounded by political and social factors that we humble scientists don't understand and frankly have been really bad at doing the communication on to to sort of to solve this and so we we really need some political scientists and some social scientists to to help us figure this one out because you know in as much as a lot of the world is moving toward we need to fix this and we need to do it yesterday there's also a lot of people that think it's still think it's a conspiracy it's a way to to steal your tax dollars and so we're not done and that's why it's it's so this is so important for the you know for your generation to be involved in this fight because i will i will fess up my generation should have fixed this and we mismanaged the messaging and because of it it's become this much harder problem and now the problem is harder to solve from a technical standpoint and we're also running out of time now we wanted to ask the students after hearing professor bloom speaks and explain to us all of the aspects of climate change is there anything that stood out to you uh i can go first um i i think there's just so many people being impacted and even if you're not being directly impacted right now you will be um i think that's a clear theme um, that dr bloom was um, you know, speaking about, um, just think of like things like chocolate and coffee, for example, those are all like plants, um, you know, that, um, that are used in the production of these products that you use almost every day. And, um, they'll be impacted by climate change. The people that grow them will be impacted by climate change and the end users, you know, us here in the United States to just consume them will be impacted. Um, things will go up in price, you know, coming from a business perspective, as an accounting and environmental studies double major, I'm always thinking about the price of things. And, um, you know, what's, we always want to find a less expensive option, but as climate change um, increases, you know, and gets worse, we're going to see things go way up in price. Um, and it will eventually just get to the point where the system will be so shocked by it, I think. Um, I, I also want to, uh, everything Dr. Bloom was saying just took me back to when I took his course um, in my first year. And I, I based a lot of my um, environmental studies uh, classes after that um, on the content I learned there. Um, I did a project uh, at, towards the end of the semester about the Seychelles Islands. Um, and they had a like chant because, you know, they're an island, they're being impacted uh, by the sea level rise. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that they're gonna be uh, hurt way before a lot of other people are. Um, it, they, they say like 2.5 to stay alive because if the temperature if the you know the global temperature increases past that, they might have to totally leave their islands, like their homes, and become climate refugees somewhere else in the world. And you know how, for example, the United States isn't super welcoming, but we're going to have to um, face that reality as as we do um, seemingly 
very little or we seemingly are going very slow, at least in the United States, on, on trying to um, fix climate change or try to reduce those damages. We have to face the consequences, which, you know, some of it is going to be refugees that are going to need a place to stay. Um, so, yeah, those are some of, I, I think, the main uh, things I was thinking of through Dr. Boom's uh, speaking points. Yeah, um, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, I, I really felt the alarming uh, feeling when Dr. Bloom was speaking. I think that he really gave like a good uh, portrayal that this is a serious problem and it's affecting everybody, every single person. Um, but also the fact that it's an interdisciplinary uh, issue and um, most people will just kind of disregard it as like, oh, that's a scientist issue or uh, that's only gonna affect like the animals. Like, why should I care about that? Like it, but it's really just, it trickles down into everything. Like you guys said, um, I think it's super important uh, that other people in different disciplines come to fight climate change or fight um, these types of things in their, in their study or like doctors or like uh, taxi drivers. Like, I don't know, just like all these people, they can, um, they can help in all these different ways. And also like Dr. Boom was saying that their people are profiting off of this, but, um, and it seems like, okay, like what about those communities that are founded on coal, uh, uh, you know plants like what are they going to do with their jobs like how are they going to make a living but if we shift our paradigm as a society on um, the fact that we need fossil fuels to run our our lives um if we shift that to an alternative and kind of just like change the mindset of people as humans have done history for many different things um that we can actually start to profit on other things like uh, that are sustainable, you know, so people can start to invest in in sustainable things like and and it is really horrible that it's um, polarized a lot of people because it really isn't like a political issue um, as much as they want to make it. Uh, it's a it's a human rights issue. It's just like um, and like a and I want to say human rights what is what it comes down to, even though it's affecting the earth and everything else like we eat the animals we eat the plants um you know just all that stuff um so i i feel like it's uh i, I got lost in my last point there but um yeah just like we need to have a paradigm shift like uh, we need to think differently and i think any person in any specialized uh job that they have can have an impact on this, no matter what they do. Yeah, and I think everyone um, touched on like really important points. So I'll just echo those and say one more thing is that um, it's unfortunate and it's a little bit terrifying, um, but climate change is happening whether you believe in it or not. So um, I think doing our best in any aspect, like Starla mentioned, um, wherever, whatever work you do, um, professionally, personally, I think it's important, um, 
because it can only help mitigate um, the impacts that we're already facing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we also wanted to ask the students, what does climate change mean to you? We talked about how it's impacted other people, but specifically, what does it feel like or what is it, what is it for you? Or we can go the same route. So we can go with Molly, Starla, and Juliet again. Um, climate change for me, um, again, I'm going to have to like think of it from more of a business perspective. It's very short term profit, really. Like we, uh, a lot of these um, fossil fuel sources that we're um, getting our energy from are, are pretty cheap uh, based on the fact that we've used them for a long time. Um, and, and not much else, you know, I think if we use a solar or wind energy for as long of a time, it would have been just as inexpensive and, and way friendlier for the environment. Um, I, I think it also just means there's um, a lot of costs on, on humanity, whether it's like people's lives or, um, you know, also actual money down the line. Um, it's, it's definitely a short-term profit for some people now, but it will be a way, uh, it will be a long-term uh, expense down the line as well. It's just kind of like a ticking time bomb. And um, like, like Juliet said, some people can ignore it now, but um, when they're the ones being directly affected by it, it, it won't be so easy to. Um, and I also want to say that, um, like climate change can make a lot of people feel very, like, it's a very intense, you know, feeling to, to have to worry about all of this and think about how, um, this is like a huge disaster that it's like really hard to slow down or stop. Um, but we have to focus on some of the positives and some of the um, places we've succeeded in already. Um, some local activist groups have been making huge strides that even like governments haven't been able to be able to do. So I think um, like Dr. Bloom said, like uh, the more people that deny um, these corporations that are trying to keep the status quo, the, the better off we'll be. Yeah, um, climate change to me um, means that we are uh, failing our future generations and robbing them of a potential life, a good one that we are, uh, if you will, privileged at the moment to have. Um, I think that it's even though we are not seeing the world uh, collapse right now at this moment and we may not be alive to see it there are a lot of um, implications that it has for the future generations and a lot of people might think that oh well what does the future generation have to do with me well your kids are going to have kids and I'm sure that you'd want those your family essentially your bloodline to prosper and if you don't do anything now, it's going to make 
the world that they're born into a lot worse and it's just like the the world that they are born into at the beginning is like at a lower level um than it was for us so um yeah I just I think like that we need to start to do things now and although it seems like it's a crisis or and but it's like going really slow like and all these things that seem so overwhelming that we don't know like what to do or like if we can even do anything um that yeah like molly said just start really small and like uh grab all your friends like because if everybody does that then um we can we can start to make a dent in it at least Yeah, and I think it's um, also important um, for me to note that I was born into a socioeconomic status, into a country, um, into a certain race that does not face the implications of climate change as intensely as so many other communities and people around the world in our country and our state right now. Um, and going to um, college in Naperville, I have the luxury of, you know, learning about climate change rather than experiencing it um, intensely every single day. Yes, like obviously we, as Dr. Bloom was noting, um, we do face um, implications of climate change here in Naperville, um, but it hasn't yet reached the point where we're being displaced and we're, um, and I have not um, experienced being a climate migrant or anything yet. But, you know, if we don't do anything about it, if we don't use, um, if those of us who are privileged and haven't faced it um, as intensely yet, if we don't use um, that platform to make a change, then, you know, future generations most certainly will be facing it um, more intensely. And, um, you know, it's not, I, I didn't do anything special to be born into this life. So, you know, those people who are facing things um, to much greater extents right now, like their, their lives are equally as valuable. So um, I think climate change is about you know, learning the physical changes that are happening to our planet, but also being um, compassionate and um, and brave enough to get uncomfortable with your comfortability um, in living and way of life right now. So, yes, thank you so that. Thank you, thank you so much for all these great response. So the next question we have is most of you all are part of the science field and some students who are going to listen to this are not going to be part of the science um, world. Um, we wanted to ask what things can your fellow students do on campus um, to help prevent or slow down climate change? We can go by the line again, Molly, Starla, and Julia. Um, I, I feel like this is a, a thing I've reflected on um, quite a bit because like I said, I um, also have my other major, my accounting major, and I get to talk to a lot 
um, you know, of different people in, in like a whole other kind of like school in the college. Um, I was having a great conversation with some people from finance um, the other day about how they were really interested in renewable energy. Um, and they, you know, I feel like money, especially if you're in, interested in, in looking into going into a field that's like business related, um, money can do a lot of bad and it's actually a great incentive to do a lot of bad, but it's also, I think it can fuel a lot of good. Um, you know, I, I think um, something I want to do is long-term is to make sure as an auditor, make sure the money um, that it is actually really hard to get for people that like, you know, are, are um, recovering from a natural disaster goes to the people that um, need it and not to nefarious other people, you know, that, that want to take advantage. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways that people in any field can um, help and to, you know, get their education in and then, um, uh, focus on sustainability as well. You be that person in the room that brings up um, like the idea um, of sustainability or, you know, if you're working on a project and something doesn't really look right from a sustainable perspective, bring that up and challenge that. Um, I think there's a lot of value in that and, um, you know, reminding other people that it's a huge problem and uh, we need to, even in like small decisions we make, we need to keep that in mind. Yeah, um, so my major is actually sociology. I'm minoring in environmental studies, um, but I'd love to work in the future with both of those intersecting. So um, I would have to say um, that even if you don't think climate change is going to affect your profession and wh whatever major that you're majoring in, it will, and it is already. Um, I wanna bring up like maybe some points of um, physicians and doctors, like what does that have to do? I'm in the office working with these people, but there could be more people coming to your office due to health implications that climate change has created, like, um, uh, the water in Flint we are talking about in our environmental justice class, like those people have had increased diseases and the, that's just, uh, as a physician, you don't want your patients to be sick, you know, you want them to be good. <laughs> um, if, you're, um, if you're majoring in sports, like you can even think of like how the wet, the crazy weather is like bad for your, um, the game that day or something you know just like in any in every single way like it it affects it and so I would have to add on to what Molly said um, students can be an activist in their field um, and I don't want to think I don't want to people to think that when you do speak on this um, that you could be potentially stigmatized because it has been a growing political um, polarizing issue. Um, I just bring up the fact how like it's just like just think of like the reality of the situation not any like um, fabricated ideas but that like it this is something that everyone should be advocating for no matter what uh, field you're in because it affects everybody like we all just mentioned so be the advocate, like Molly said, be the person in the room to 
and Juliet be um, uncomfortable with your comfortability. I, I agree with all of those. Yeah, I think those are great points. You know, being the person to at least like get a conversation started. I think a great thing that the program at North Central has done is it's been developed very interdisciplinary. So there's classes in business, there's classes in policy, and it's not all just in the science. Um, so there's ways for people to get involved in their hobbies and their passions, you know, climate change impacts it all. I think two things like specifically students um, at North Central can do are to one, take some classes that are um, in the environmental studies program. I know some really, I know a lot of people that are not in the major have taken the classes. Some that I specifically really like are like people in nature or um, agriculture and the environment. You know, obviously the climate change classes, the environmental justice class. There's a class on Chicago and Illinois' um, environmental history. So those are some like interesting classes to um, kind of propel interests and education. And another thing is where students are now starting to put together a petition to North Central to divest from fossil fuels. So to take their money and financial interests out of supporting fossil fuel, um, the fossil fuel industry, as well as no longer accepting money from companies and organizations who are working with the fossil fuel industry. So students can sign that petition. You know, it doesn't have to be some like, like super energy depleting thing for students to get involved, learn more about the environment and climate change, or to be a climate activist. Like it, I think this sentiment has been applied in many different fields, but I'll apply it here in the, you know, the world doesn't need a few people doing climate activism perfectly. It needs like hundreds, thousands, millions of people doing it imperfectly. So I would like to make two comments before we wrap up. The first is that this is a this is a problem that touches everything, but because it is an everything problem, it requires an everything solution, which means that it doesn't just take science. It takes everything that humans do. And this is a problem that we can solve. It seems overwhelming. It seems daunting. It is certainly scary. But from a technical standpoint, there is no reason why we cannot solve this problem if we have the political will to do so, if we have the desire to survive and to prosper. To that end, you want to know what to do? First, be aware of the problem and talk about the problem and get involved. And it doesn't matter what you do, but do something and vote because in the end, your vote has power. And vote for people that take the climate problem seriously and want to do something about it. That gives me hope. You all give me hope because I see and hear the things that you do. And it makes me believe that we are going to solve this problem. And because it's an everything problem, it is going to change the world. We are not only going to solve this problem, but we are going to end up with a world where we end up realizing that we are all residents of this planet and that we are all in this together. And I think 
when we solve this problem, and maybe I won't see it, but when we solve this problem, the world will be changed in an amazing way. Now, it ain't easy to get from here to there, but I believe that we will. Thank you so much. That was such a good note to end. And with that said, I wanted to thank everyone for coming today. This is going to educate so many people. So thank you so much, each one of you, for participating.